Did you know that God really only has one law? So many religious factions have different instructions, rules, and regulations. But the only law that really matters is love. God's Only Law with host Bill Cohen shares that one true law. Here's Bill. Welcome back. The story we have been following is built on God's law of love, and it defines a journey, our journey to Him. The Bible describes this journey God has created for us and why it is necessary. This journey leads some onto the path of His love, taking our disbelief to belief, then faith, and finally works. For faith is required for salvation, and works are the fruits, which are produced by our faith, as he explains in Ephesians. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Make no mistake. In James, God tells us we are not saved by works. However, we are not saved without works. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. And if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This is why he told us faith without works is dead. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? When we have faith only, our vanity causes us to misunderstand his word, which leads us to create denominations since we think we know God better than others. This is why he calls us to have faith of a little child, which requires us to humble ourselves, as he tells us in Matthew, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because little children know they are needy, and so do the humble. Only the humble can be reasonable enough to come together and reason with God's word, rather than arguing their understanding is better than everyone else's. In Acts, God tells us true faith requires action, because we have a part to play in the creation of his kingdom. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto uttermost part of the earth. God is not calling us to be an audience. He wants a family willing to help him build his kingdom, as Noah, Moses, Peter, and Paul did. His word comes to life when we understand this, and it changes us from the inside out, from apathetic angels to Jesus' friends. Faith in action is not only the big things but also the little things we do to shine his light on heaven's door. He created us to solve problems, not complain about them. We are God's cure being dispensed in this infected world, a world filled with the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh, and the pride of life, which he describes in First John. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. God's cure is the example seen when his saints are joyfully walking through sanctification to eternity. In Isaiah, God is telling us, life is more than a mental exercise. Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, 
and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. And in James, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Going to church once a week and living the rest of our lives reconciled to this world will not lead to our transformation, our sanctification. We need to live this life surrendered to his law of love, as he explains in Romans. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In Matthew, we learn the closer we come to completing our part in God's plan, the more he gives us to do. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into joy of thy Lord. And take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. And for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Some will understand the journey, while others of us will twist and distort it for our own purposes, lying even to ourselves. Sometimes these distortions are to ease the pain caused by the conflicts lived with daily, which our separation from God created, as we learn in Ephesians, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Sometimes they are to gain some temporary advantage or pleasure, as we learn in Jeremiah. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so, and what will ye do in the end thereof? In Psalms we learn our desires and our distortions will not change the truth of the journey nor the ultimate destinations. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing which has gone out of my lips. And in Isaiah, therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Jesus prayed for all of us to be one in him, as he is one in the Father. And he explains in John, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast gaveth me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus told us, when we see him, we see the Father, for he is one with the Father. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? God says there is only one eternal family, 
and his word is being preached so all may have the opportunity to find the way to him and his family. His offer goes out to every one of us. The key is not that we are different in some ways because he has given each of us a unique DNA. The key is that we are all the same in many more ways, as we are all made in his image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The devil uses divisions to keep us from coming together to reason on the important issues, which would lead us to his love and to care for one another. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Can we imagine what it would be like for all of us to peacefully come together to reason, bringing our opinions and our willingness to consider other opinions? God is not creating all of the artificial divisions that exist in our lives. He is also not creating the many churches we see in our society. God has only one church, His church. He is asking us to lay down our differences. We can lay them at the foot of the cross, at the foot of His Word. In 1 John, He asks us to learn that He is love, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him, and that we should love the way he loves unconditionally. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. His unconditional love for us is the reason he gave his, us free will. He asks each of us to choose to be part of his family. This is just another layer in the concept of being one, our being in Jesus and him in us, abiding in him. If he abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. He wants us to learn to love in this life, to prepare us for eternity with him as part of his family. So we hear in Luke, But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Separating ourselves means we want to live our own way or one of the many ways the devil has established to lead us away from God instead of following his way and the peace and joy that will undoubtedly follow. We can choose to be part of his family. However, when we refuse, he will allow us to go our own way, which leads to death, not eternity. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's in Proverbs. But in James, he tells us, what will happen when we follow Jesus? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. And in Romans, he asks us to use good to overcome evil. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The devil's temptations always lead us to divisions, distress, and ultimately death. When we follow that path away from God, we will never find true love, peace, and joy, no matter how much money, power, fame, or pretend holiness we have. As he warns us in Ecclesiastes, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. The devil's fleshy temptations drive us away from God, but God sends his spirit to draw us to him. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. When we choose to follow the Spirit, the things of the flesh begin to dim. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. And eventually we desire God's law of love rather than temptations of this world. God promises to take care of us in Isaiah. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And this assurance gives us the courage to follow him. He wants everyone to feel his love, and each of us has the opportunity to receive salvation by accepting his love, as he tells us in Second Corinthians. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Some of us will choose not to hear the still small voice that is calling us home, and we will not follow him. She obeyed not the voice, and received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord, she drew not near God. The still small voice led Moses, Joseph, Daniel, John, Peter, and Peter Waldo, and so many others to do God's work, and it will teach anyone willing to come close enough to God to hear it. God could shout, however, then we would be afraid of him and would start creating harsher versions of him as the Israelites did. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. So he whispers with a still small voice, as we do to our babies when they are crying, because he loves us when we are wallowing in our own sins. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. We are to show his love to others by abiding in his love, so they will be able to witness our example. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, which draws them to him as we become his light shining in this world and reducing the number of dark places for evil to hide. God's love is pure and self-sacrificing. We live in a world of self-promotion, a look-at-me world, an I-know-better world. So in Second Timothy he tells us, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boisterers, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of that that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. The contrast could not be more dramatic. Loving others means we joyfully serve them. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, expecting nothing in return, and we must allow others to serve us. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash not thee, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
We cannot deprive others the joy of serving. God is not asking us to figure it out. He is asking us to trust him to have already done that. So shall my word be that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein to I sent it. We just need to accept his love and give it away to everyone we meet, to the uttermost part of the earth. He created us to do this work. We put a smile on his face when we do it. Jesus has called us friends. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Are we living as though we believe we are his friends? If we live his law of love, always telling the truth and allowing others the same freedom, we will be Jesus' friend for eternity. Next week, we will consider what is next on our journey to him. God wants us to test every part of this story, for he is not looking for lukewarm followers, only truth seekers who are looking for his perfect love. Comments, opposing opinions, and suggestions for future topics are all welcome. Just send me an email, bill at reasoningwithgod.com. May the blessings of the Lord overwhelm your week.